is a Friday morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. I thought I'd be talking to you about the first round of the NCAA Sweet 16 because my brain is back in the old days when the Sweet 16 was played on Thursday and Friday. I came home from work last night, ready to sit down and watch some basketball, and I find out that the Sweet 16 does not commence until tomorrow, Saturday. But we have plenty to talk about today, and I look forward to uh, being with you, and thank you for your time. A reminder, of course, that your health insurance is extremely important, and no one can give you more answers in that vein than auiinfo.com, a great sponsor of our podcast Great sponsor of the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer. Appreciate Chrissy, Steve, and all that they have done uh, for our family, giving us answers on whether or not Obamacare makes sense for our family or whether or not uh, Christian Health Share Ministry makes sense. So any kind of health insurance questions you have can be answered free at auiinfo.com. There's no tier in terms of, well, they'll answer this question free and that one they won't. No. They don't charge you. They charge the health insurance companies that you wind up with. So it's a great service. Health insurance comes with the baked-in cost of a consultant. That's what AUI Info is. So it would be kind of silly to pay for something and not use it. You would not do that with a restaurant gift card. Why would you do it with a health insurance expert like AUIinfo.com? So go to their site, use their chat feature, or you can do a Zoom conference or a phone call with them. AUI info.com. Okay, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, I didn't talk much about NFL free agency uh, the other day because I don't follow it as closely in the moment as I do Ohio State basketball, but we now have a little bit of a space between the Buckeyes lost Oral Roberts, it still hurts to say that, and uh, looking forward to next year, which we'll do some in this podcast after I got my eyes on uh, Malachi Branham of St. V at the state tournament. But free agency, Bengals and Browns. Browns, I they look pretty smart to me. I mean, they got a really good safety, John Johnson. Uh the Tack McKinley signing on the defensive line, yeah, it seems like a, you know, high reward, low, relatively low risk. Uh, he was a first-round pick out of UCLA. His famous uh, draft night shout out to his deceased grandmother. Uh, he's played okay when he's played, when he's been healthy. And so I think those two signings are pretty good. And uh, I still await the Browns uh, freeing themselves from the uh, oppressive spotlight that is Odell Beckham Jr. He is, to me, a uh, juice not worth the squeeze. Uh, you got some big personalities on this team, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry. You do not need, nor would I argue, will you benefit from the presence of Odell Beckham like you would benefit from the draft choice you'd get for him, maybe a two, um, and you just, it's just there's more oxygen in the room when he's not around. People don't have to worry about, is he happy, is he not happy? You got enough of that going on with Baker and Jarvis Landry, and I like low-maintenance superstars like Nick Chubb, so that's my preference. I would trade Beckham. I would build my secondary. I would build my pass rush. I would build my defense. I would not need nor want Odell Beckham on the team. So that's an off-stated opinion here on this podcast. It will not change going forward. So let's go to the Bengals now. 
The Bengals made one really good signing. Riley Reef, offensive tackle, Minnesota Vikings, signed him for one year. I think this is a hedge against what happens in the draft. Bengals have the fifth pick. They'd love to get Panay Sewell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. Although I have a little thing with guys who opted out. I question their competitiveness. Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, all these guys who opted out, they will not have played a football game in over a year. By the time they are asked to step on an NFL field in the fall of 2021, I know Micah Parsons had a phenomenal pro day. I know Panay Sewell is amazing. I get Jamar Chase should be terrific. I just question their team buy-in over their individual buy-in when they opt out. And so if the Bengals get Panay Sewell and if Jonah Williams is healthy and everything goes according to plan, then maybe they won't re-sign Riley Reef next year at this time. But it's nice to have Riley Reef in case Jonah Williams' knee does not bounce back from whatever the injury was that he had that held him out of the last couple games of the season, or if you don't get Panay Sewell in the draft. Now, there's a big kid out of Northwestern that the Bengals could draft. He seems like, to me, drafted a little high at five, an offensive tackle from Northwestern. Uh, if I'm picking five and I can't get Panay Sewell, I mean, the Bengals are going to be able to get Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, or Panay Sewell. Or Devontae Smith. Every mock draft I look at, Devontae Smith is not the first wide receiver taken. And I'm just like, do your eyes work? Like, Devontae Smith is another level of a talent. Okay, I know Jalen Waddle's good. I know Jamar Chase is good. I, you know, I get it. What's the object of the game in football? Run away from the other guy with the ball in your hands. Who does that better than Devontae Smith? I... I am stuck for an answer because there is no answer to that. So I would pick Devontae Smith and not look back if I'm the Bengals. But they probably would like to have Kyle Pitts or they might like to have Jamar Chase because he's you know bigger, stronger. He ain't faster. He's bigger, stronger. So we'll see. But the Bengals are going to be able to get a really good player at five. And maybe if they don't get Panay Sewell and they're married to taking an offensive tackle, maybe they trade down a little bit and grab another pick because somebody's going to want that fifth pick to draft a quarterback. Man, is this draft Chock full O quarterbacks. And it's like uh, one of these things where you go into a restaurant, every item on the menu looks great. You can't make up your mind. Cheesecake Factory, the menu, you keep going. There's like 60 pages. At least the last time I was at the Cheesecake Factory, there was. And you go, wow, do I want the Zach Wilson or the Justin Fields or the uh, Lance? Uh, who's the kid from uh, North Dakota? Trey Lance. Do I want him? Uh, do I want Mac Jones? I left out Trevor Lawrence because he's on the cover of the menu in the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars of Urban Meyer, unless they are absolutely stupid, are taking Trevor Lawrence number one overall. But there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft, and I have seen Justin Fields to the Lions. I've seen Justin Fields to the Broncos at four. I've seen him to the Carolina Panthers at eight. I've seen all kinds of things, and you know, there are drafts that have Mac Jones going in the top seven. There are drafts that have Mac Jones going 15 to the Patriots. There's going to be, and there could be in this draft, besides Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson from BYU, is there a Dak Prescott in this draft? A guy who goes down the road, not in the first round? and is 
nevertheless, like a great quarterback? Is that uh, Kyle Trask? No. Uh, my opinion, no. Quarter, the Florida quarterback, no, no. Uh, Kellen Mond? Is that Kellen Mond from Texas A&M? Is that Ian Book from Notre Dame? Is it Sam Ellinger from Texas? Is it uh, Felipe Franks, formerly of Florida? Where did he end up? Arkansas? I forget where Felipe Franks ended up. Um, I wouldn't think it's Felipe Franks, but of that group, Kellen Mond, I wouldn't, you know, I'm sitting there in the fourth round, Kellen Mond's on the board. Hello. I would uh, I would take that. He's a better fourth round pick, in my opinion, than the uh, estimable Kirk Cousins. Sorry, Rick Spielman. So uh, it'll be interesting, this draft. And uh, the Brownies pick 26th, and they'll be able to get a good player there. That's the best player on the board time. That's defensive back, defensive lineman, uh, probably. Or too high for a running back. But, hey, Browns, you struck gold in the second round a couple years ago with Nick Chubb. If Travis Etienne is there in the second round, boom. Take him. Take him, please. I know they don't need a running back. I just love Travis Etienne. Okay. So that's where we are with the free agency grades, uh, according to me. A reminder, Willis Spangler Starling is our official law firm. Willis Spangler Starling can handle your probate case, your wills, estate planning, your workers' compensation issues, hurt at work. Workers' compensation can come into play. Personal injury, somebody hits you in their car, somebody infringes on your legal rights. Willis Spangler Starling is the place where you can get a free consultation, find out what your case will cost you. They do take cases on contingency and some on a flat fee basis. They're really good people. That's the most important thing. I don't deal with jerks anymore, except, you know, of course, well, I don't really deal with jerks anymore at all, even in my Twitter mentions, because I don't read my Twitter mentions. Uh, There's a verse in Proverbs about that. Uh, answer a fool according to his folly, and I don't do that. I, you know, don't answer a fool according to his folly. So I don't. I don't read my Twitter mentions. So I don't deal with jerks. That's why I'm represented in all things by Willis Spangler Starling, because Stan and Ashley and Phil and Kelly are phenomenal. The partners at Willis Spangler Starling and the associates are awesome as well. They're great. You'll like them. You'll not be intimidated by them. Lawyers can be a little off-putting sometimes, a little starchy, a little stuffy. Not not Willis Spangler Starling. They're down-to-earth, really cool people, really funny people, actually. So remember that name online, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Okay, so we don't have NCAA basketball. Even tonight, what is wrong with the NCAA? Our games are going to be fr- uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I don't get it. I don't understand this, why this is. And I thought, well, this doesn't give you very long to prepare for the Final Four, which the Final Four will be on Saturday, a week from tomorrow. And then the National Championship game will still be on a Monday. But to me, why move it around? I mean, you're all stuck in Indy. What, everybody loves the inside of their hotel room so much? You got to hold off on the tournament, but they're doing what they're doing. And so our first game on Saturday will be at 2.40, uh, Loyola Chicago against Oregon State. I think the reason they did this, <laughs> duh, is because this way they can get w- everybody's eyes on one game at a time, right? If you have Sweet 16 games on Thursday, Friday, then you have to have them going on simultaneously because you're not going to play them in the middle of the afternoon. So you play them at like 7, 8, 9, and 10, and you can get 
a divided audience on the TV side. So play them this way. You'll go from Saturday at 2.40 watching Loyola Chicago against Oregon State. Over under on Sister Jean TV shots on Loyola Chicago. I'm going to say 15. 15. 5.15 p.m. Baylor against Villanova. Jay Wright. Dude is a coach, man. 7.25, Arkansas against Oral Roberts. And 9.55, Houston and Kelvin Sampson against Jim Beheim. This is the NCAA outlaw bracket. Your Jim Beheim rule violator against Kelvin Sampson rule violator. Second seeded Houston against Buddy Beheim and the Syracuse Orange at uh, 9.55. My buddy Anthony Lima will be uh, cheering wildly for his Syracuse Orange there, as will every other person in the broadcast industry because they all seemingly went to Syracuse. On Sunday, your first game is 2-10 Gonzaga against Creighton. Gonzaga's an interesting case. They've gone from the Cinderella. In 99, they were the Cinderella. I was hoping they'd beat Connecticut so Ohio State wouldn't have to play Connecticut at the Final Four, with good reason, because Connecticut won the whole thing. Gonzaga against Creighton. Greg McDermott, the former almost Ohio State basketball coach, has Creighton seated fifth. They smoked was that, o- was that OU they took out? I think it was. I, I, I forget. I think it was OU. Uh, Michigan at 5 p.m. against Leonard Hamilton. I had LSU beating Michigan, so of course I'm going to take Florida State beating Michigan because teams that defend well can give Michigan trouble. Uh, Alabama, 7-15 against UCLA. Mick Cronin, look at Mick. Got the Bruins in the Sweet 16, and he just picked up a five-star too. And at 9.45, USC against Oregon. That would be a really good game, 6-7. and seven. Uh, Andy Engfield, who was the coach at Florida Gulf Coast, Dunk City. Andy Engfield has been at USC. And Oregon, Dana Altman, really good coach. Whew, man, is he a good coach. That will be a good game. So those are your Sweet 16 matchups. Uh, and then Monday and Tuesday we'll have the Elite Eight. Monday and Tuesday we'll have the Elite Eight. So I will uh, now delve into a couple coaching openings. The Indiana job is still open. Uh, I should probably uh, double-check my uh, internet here just to make sure that uh, we haven't had any late-breaking developments on the Indiana coaching job. But I think at this point in time, they got to be waiting to see what happens with Porter Mosier, the uh, Loyola Chicago coach, because he is, I mean, they ran a, they ran a clinic on Illinois. I mean, they just ran a clinic on Illinois, uh, which was super impressive, man. Uh, and now, you know, he's looking at a second Final Four in three years? 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, I mean, three tournaments, four years. Um, Porter Mosier's a, a, a really good coach right now. Does anybody forget that Porter Mosier was fired at Illinois State? Does anybody forget that Porter Mosier was like under 500 at Loyola until the last four years? I mean, this guy's been around, and I don't know if he's figured something out, like got the, you know, Joe Hardy magic on him from Damn Yankees. There's an old reference. <laughs> but you'd think not at Loyola Chicago. But at any rate, uh, he's, he's flavor of the month right now. He's flavor of the month. So would his style of basketball work at Indiana? Sure. Uh, they look a little bit like 
Normandale coach Hickory, Hoos- uh, Hickory Huskers running that uh, picket fence and backdoor layups and tap passes and stuff like that. It's nice. It's a beautiful brand of basketball. Uh, but Indiana, you know, the difference between Indiana, Loyola Chicago, and the other job that I think Porter Moser fits is a Marquette job. They just fired Steve Wojciechowski. So DJ Carton, if he doesn't go pro, will be getting a new coach next year. Um, Port, the Loyola job and the Marquette job are similar jobs. Marquette, you can win bigger because basketball at Marquette's just, they got more money. Milwaukee, big big city. There's no reason why you can't recruit the same kids. Uh, you're, or at least, no, you're not going to recruit the same kids. You're probably going to recruit a little bit better player at Marquette. You're going to be able to leverage the same coaching relationships in Chicago when you're at, if you're at, Marquette in Milwaukee. So that's a that makes sense, right? Now you can say, well, you can recruit Chicago if you're at Indiana. Eh, good luck getting them into school. Good luck getting them into school. And good luck recruiting them to middle of nowhere Bloomington as opposed to a city, Milwaukee. Marquette's a Jesuit school. Loyola's a Jesuit school. <laughs> I just thought of a funny I just thought of a funny thing I could say about Indiana being, you know, not a Jesuit school. It would, would, would be <laughs> sometimes I laugh at my own thoughts. Uh, but I won't make that joke because people will take it literally instead of just like the funny way I would mean it. But uh, here's the thing with Indiana. I think I've said this before. And when you f- when when Kelvin Sampson, Mike Davis, Tom Green, and Archie Miller have all been successful, other than Mike Davis, he was successful after he left Indiana. But those other three guys were successful before they got to Indiana and didn't succeed at Indiana to Indiana's desires. At some point, you have to say, what's wrong with us, right? It's like the, the the person who gets divorced six times. Well, I just ended up with six idiots. No, maybe not. Maybe you're the idiot. And so Indiana right now, they have the capacity to ruin anybody's reputation. And some, for some reason, I had this weird thought yesterday, like maybe you should find out if Holtman's in the running at Indiana. I think Chris Holtman understands enough coming from Butler, where you're the big dog at Butler, but you know there's only so much pressure on you at Butler. Uh, to Ohio State. He's got a great gig at Ohio State. Now, Chris Holtman is experiencing for the first time. uh, This is like Chris Holtman's first fight when you get married. Everybody remember that? I know this couple who contends they've never had a fight when they've been married, which I'm not. I I, I can make no comment on that. I'm just astounded by that. They've been married a long time. Anyway, (laughs) Um, uh, this Aftermath of losing to Oral Roberts. And I make no excuses. That's inexcusable. They should not have lost the Oral Roberts game. Okay, I'm I'm in the bag for Chris Holtman. I know you all think I'm in the bag for Chris Holtman. I admire Chris Holtman, his coaching acumen. He's shown me good stuff through four years. Great stuff through four years. Phenomenal stuff through four years. I was slow to come around. I've come around. I'm all the way around. I'm all in on Chris Holtman. But the, but the Oral Roberts loss was awful. Well, you're allowed an awful loss in four years. I'm not Indiana. I don't, like, you know, figure that everything you've done up to that point is junked and thrown away and burned because you lost to Earl Roberts. Like, nobody played well on the Ohio State side. They all looked tired. They didn't have Kyle Young. I don't need to litigate it again, but I'm still all in with Chris Holtman. Now, I think the fallout has surprised him. 
I think the fallout has surprised him. I think he's been, I think he's kind of ticked that people have forgotten. People go, well, well, you know, he didn't get to the Sweet 16 yet. Well, the first two teams he had were amazing to get into the tournament and win a game. Did you forget he upset Iowa State? Uh, I didn't forget that. Some of the rest of you did. So I'm not out on him at all. I'm not even like listening to a knock on the door to be out on him at this point, nor should you be. So, but I think he's experiencing like, you know, you get married, you have a honeymoon, you come home, everything's great. And then you have the first fight, like the electric bill comes or the cable bill comes, or you leave your shoes on the bed or a wet towel on the floor or whatever. And you have your first fight with your spouse. This is Chris Holtman's first fight with the Ohio State fan base. And he's like, eh, I didn't know. I didn't know you had that side to you. No, no, we do. We do have that side to us. And so um, that's where we are. Uh, now, you, you kiss makeup, you know, everything's fine. What could he do? Like, how could Chris Holtman buy us flowers as an Ohio State, uh, as the Ohio State fan base? Uh, well, he could bring home not a dozen roses. He could bring home a big man. That would be nice. Bring home a big man. I don't care. I'm not picky. I don't care. F- well, flowers or candy. Flowers would be a five-star center uh, freshman. Uh, Chet Holmgren would be wonderful. Or five-star, or excuse me, uh, instead of flowers, candy. Uh, A a big man on the transfer portal. That'd be fine, too. Uh, Miles Johnson from Rutgers is in the transfer portal. The big, huge dude who went to Twitter claiming that he got screwed over at Ohio State by the officials when they lost in Columbus in the team's first meeting. He's in the transfer portal. John Harar, Penn State's in the transfer portal. There will be others. So they got to be judicious. Do I expect them to get Chet Holmgren? No, I don't. Here's why. Chet Holmgren is the number one player in the country. He's like 7'4". He shoots threes. He's he's like about as big around as a broom handle, but he's a tremendous player. And he's going to be a one and done, uh, but he's going to Gonzaga. He's from out in that area. Gonzaga picked up a five-star guard the other day. Uh, they've got a six-eight guy coming in, so they got one at every level. If they get Chad Holmgren, now the only thing is Chad Holmgren. I don't know who else is who else leaving uh, Gonzaga. I haven't looked at their roster. I assume they're all going to leave. Uh, but Gonzaga's got it all going on. They're they're soup de jour right now. So I figure he's going to Gonzaga. Ohio State's also in on two five-star centers who are playing at IMG. Uh, Efton Reed. And Charles Bediaco or something like that. Um, I've only I've seen Reed on uh, YouTube. No, I've seen Bediaco on YouTube. He's okay. He's okay. Um, Reed, I've not seen on YouTube. He's got a bigger body. Uh, they'd be great. You don't turn down a five-star center. But in terms of Ohio State winning it all next year, I'll take Miles Johnson or John Harar. Let's like load up and go for it. Because they're going to have Justice Suing and Dwayne Washington and Michi Johnson and Malachi Branham and Justin Arns to shoot threes and EJ Liddell and John Harar or Miles Johnson is here we come. You stop us. Because a rim protector and a force on the boards is what they lack. And to expect that from a freshman, 
you're not as likely to be able to count on that. I know what I'm getting in Harar. I know what I'm getting in um, Miles Johnson. And I believe in the Ohio State strength program and player development program. And I believe in Chris Holtman to be able to uh, get the most out of him. So that's where we are. Now, as for Malachi, I always want to call him Malachi. Malachi Branham, I... uh, I love his length. I told you that Monday. I love his his spi- the only word I can think of is spidery and I've compared him to Dennis Hopson. Hop was not a good three-point shooter in his first 3 years at Ohio State. He became a good three-point shooter. Uh, I don't know that Malachi Branham is going to be at Ohio State 3 years. I think he'll be at Ohio State 2 years. Uh at least 2 years. And I'm sure he'll become a good three-point shooter. Right now he's a slasher and they really don't have a uh, they don't really don't have a tall slasher. Suing gets to the basket. And I like when he gets to the basket, but he's not, to me, quick enough to be a slasher. And the unknown, of course, is Seth Townsend. Will he be healthy next year? So I wanted to talk a little bit about E.J. Liddell. And when, since I've talked to you last on a podcast, E.J. Liddell has done a press conference where he talked about the uh, hateful social media messages uh, that he read after Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts. Now, everybody else took this... Uh, from E.J. Liddell and wrote about, ah, you're, you know, if you if you post these kinds of messages, you're a moron. If you, you know, who, who could do this? E.J. Liddell's a nice kid. Well, that to me, that's like, yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. I mean, we all know that anybody who would issue a death threat toward E.J. Liddell or any college player off a game is a moron. I mean, this goes without saying. I found this to be more indicative of the culture that we're in. And I found this to be more telling about the culture uh, that we're in because um, it's not just E.J. Liddell. You know, we look at E.J. Liddell and we go, oh, he's yeah, a college guy, he lives online, and E.J. talks about uh, needing to engage with social media because, you know, we're cooped up during the pandemic and this is our only way to interact with people and uh, I didn't get to go out to, you know, restaurants and bars and class and all this stuff, so this was my way of staying in touch. Oh, well, I get that, but everybody is addicted to their phone. Everybody's addicted to their screen. It's not an E.J. Liddell thing. It's not a college basketball thing. It's not an athlete thing. It's not a teenager thing. It's a human being thing because a couple things at work here. We all are created by God with a need for community, friendship, love, and approval. Everybody loves that. Yeah, we all say, eh, I don't care what people think. That's a lie. We all care what people think. Okay. Where does our identity come from? Really, truly. Nowadays, our identity comes from those people who are a swipe away on our phone. They are. Many of us. What are my notifications saying? How many Facebook likes do I have? What are people saying on Instagram? Do I have any TikTok messages? I assume that latter is true. I don't have TikTok. Anyway, we are addicted to what other people think about us, which reminds me of what a prof in... um, Philosophy told me at OSU early on in my college days, I am, he said, I am what I think you think I am. So what I think you're thinking about me is what I think about me, which goes with what I've been uh, enlightened on regarding how people form their self-identity through an amazing program called Transformational Leadership and the really wise creator of Transformational Leadership, Ford Taylor. 
And Ford says in the transformational leadership training that our self-identity is too often formed by the lies we believe about ourselves. The lies we believe about ourselves. Now, why do we believe those lies about ourselves? Well, a better question is, how do we hear those lies about ourselves? Well, we hear about them, most of them, on social media, right? Because on social media, people we mostly have never met, don't know, and really don't even want to know. Wouldn't even want to know. If you met him at work, you'd be like, eh, I'm not going to be friends with that guy. He's, he and I don't hit it off. She and I don't hit it off. You wouldn't spend two minutes with him. But online, you open the door and let him stand right next to you and scream in your ear. And what are they screaming? Mostly lies about you. Now, it's not all lies, of course. Because if it were, you wouldn't go back for more. But we keep going back for more because we hope the scales of bad versus good not even balance out. We just want like a little bit of good in there, right? We'll just like, oh, there's a tasty morsel of good. Oh, there's 10 more bad. There's, there's a bunch of lies, but oh, this person thinks I'm great. And we have this insatiable need for approval, connection association, friendship, love, companionship. So E.J. Liddell's not any different than I am or you are. And here's another way we're all similar. You're not, even if Ohio State pursues this person in through the, through the law and they find out who it was and they prosecute him and whatever, because trust me, I've done this. I had a guy years ago who posted a bunch of lies about me on social media, and I said, all right, I've had it with this crap. I'm going after this guy. I'm going to sue this guy. So I did. And it went for a couple of years, and I spent chunk of money after chunk of money after chunk of money before I knew Willis Spangler Starling <laughs> on pursuing this guy in a courts. And he was wrong, and he knew he was wrong, and he didn't have any money. He didn't have two nickels to rub together. But the wheels of justice grind slowly. And so I spent a ton of money and a ton of time and a ton of effort to get a ruling that meant really absolutely nothing. And who won there? I won in court. Who really won? Cost me a couple grand, more than a couple grand. And I never saw the guy. He, he apologized to me on Facebook. poop dee doo who won? Which reminds me of something Voltaire said. It is impossible to liberate people from the chains that they revere. It is impossible to liberate people from the chains that they revere. Seeking approval on social media are chains that we revere. And it's impossible to liberate us from that unless we liberate ourselves from it. The only way E.J. Liddell keeps this from happening again, the only way I keep it from happening again, the only way you keep it from happening again, is not to chase down the idiot 
that says it about you, it's to not expose yourself to it and put down the screen. And I'm not saying you can't have a phone or you can't engage on social media, but there are ways to block people getting to you and not read your mentions, which thanks to my wife's wise counsel, I don't read them anymore. So it is impossible. It's not impossible. It's difficult to liberate people from the chains that they revere. EJ Liddell said it. I need that. I like that social media stuff. It's the way I interact. Okay. What, your teammates' affirmation is not enough? Chris Holtman's opinion of you is not enough? Your mom and dad's opinion of you is not enough? Your friend's opinion of you is not enough? Answer, no, it's not enough. I want more. We all want more. I'm not knocking EJ. We all want more. And sometimes it's impossible or very difficult to liberate us from the chains that we revere because I am what I think you think I am. That's a loser way to live. The only people who should have access to the innermost part of your mind where you shape who you are, and here's the whole key, and I've said this before, and you can't forget it because it is the key to contentment, not happiness, because happiness is a roller coaster. There are highs and there are lows. You're never going to be happy. On the top of the roller coaster all the time if happiness is your goal. But contentment, contentment is an achievable state of mind if you allow only those who are deeply invested in you and expect nothing in return to shape your opinion of you. Only those who are deeply invested in you and expect nothing in return. Who's deeply invested in E.J. Liddell and expects nothing in return? His mom is dad. His coaches. I know you say, well, they expect him to score. Well, they expect him to score and play well because they love him and they know that's what he wants. They have his best interests at heart. Okay? So his teammates... The people who know E.J. Liddell, the people who know Bruce Hooley, the people who know you, the people who love you, the people who would sacrifice for you and not expect anything in return. The knucklehead who sent that to E.J. Liddell, he's pissed because he lost money on the game or because his bracket was busted or because he's an Ohio State quote-unquote fan or the loss to Oral Roberts ruined his day and some one of his buddies is busting his chops over it. He wants a bunch of stuff in return for EJ, from E.J. Liddell. He's invested in E.J. Liddell. He just wants a 50% return on his investment. And that's why he sent that message to E.J. Liddell. So, E.J., for I, I always hesitate to say, oh, he's a great kid, because I don't know these kids. I don't know them at all. Ohio State doesn't allow us to know them. And that's not unique to Ohio State. It's every school out there. I know there are guys, because I talked to one, who said to me the other day, man, this Deshaun Watson stuff, that's not the Deshaun Watson I know. First of all, Deshaun Watson's not been proven guilty yet, but it's pretty odd that a professional athlete would have a bunch of different people massaging his body, because Deshaun Watson's got enough money to afford his own massage therapist. If, I'll just say, the suspicion I have is, 
an athlete with a massage therapist is like that's a trusted relationship. Usually, you know, you're an athlete, you're you have a massage therapist, not twenty. But this buddy of mine from Clemson, he's like, that's not the Deshaun Watson I know. And I said, you don't know Deshaun Watson. He's like, well, I covered him. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know him. Like, what do you hang out with him? You have dinner with him? You spend time with him? You... No. I, I said, when do you when do you talk to Deshaun Watson? Well, after games and at press conferences. I'm like, yeah, best case scenario, Deshaun Watson. That's who you know. So I hope Deshaun Watson's innocent. And um, but if he's guilty, like I, these women, that's awful what he did. So uh, we'll see. We'll find out. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention Lon Kruger uh, because Lon Kruger's a really good basketball coach that a lot of people have they've heard of him, but they've not heard of him as much. He, he coached in the Big Ten. He coached at Illinois. He coached a ton of places, Lon Kruger. Kansas State, Florida, Illinois, uh, Oklahoma, Atlanta Hawks. Lon Kruger's just a really good basketball coach. And by all accounts, given what I just said about Deshaun Watson, by all accounts, a really good man. I always got the... Uh, impression whenever I was around Lon Kruger that he was a guy who um, ordered his life probably pretty similarly to the way that uh, I think God wants us to. And um, so he's retiring and he's been in coaching like 40 some years and he's affected a lot of lives and he's been super successful everywhere. Like he took Florida to a final four. He took Oklahoma to a final four. He took UNLV to four NCAA tournaments. I don't know what happened with him at Illinois. Uh, he's a good coach, so uh, I forget how they were under Lon Kruger. But now, the reason also that this is interesting to us as Big Ten fans is because one of the names that's come up for the Oklahoma job is Mark Turgeon from Maryland. Whiny Mark Turgeon, yes. Uh, Mark Turgeon played at Kansas uh, after Lon Kruger played at Kansas State. That's when I first got to know Lon Kruger when I was like 10. Uh, Lon Kruger played at Kansas State. Uh, and he was a really good point guard. But uh, Mark Turgeon may take that Oklahoma job because the Big Ten's a juggernaut. I know everybody's banging on the Big Ten now. Oh, look at the Big Ten. It's overrated. No, Big Ten's not overrated. Sorry. It's really good. Just gassed at the end of a season and tough matchups. There's a certain way you have to play to be successful in the Big Ten, and then there's a certain kind of way you have to be able to play to win an NCAA tournament, and the two are not necessarily the same. You got to be if like Oregon against a Iowa is a really bad matchup for Iowa. That's why I picked Oregon and figured they'd win big and they did because Oregon's just up and down and shoot threes and that's a bad matchup for Iowa. A lot of teams in the Big Ten not play twenty games like that, you're going to get crushed. You're going to be twelve and eight if you play like Oregon does in the Big Ten. So uh, that's where we are uh, with the Big Ten, but. Uh, Dana Altman of Oregon and Mark Turgeon of Maryland are said to be the top guys at Oklahoma. Indiana, uh, who would I pick right now if I had to handicap the odds on Indiana's next basketball coach? I think the Indiana basketball coach, if I had to pick a favorite, my favorite would be John Beeline. Uh, This is who I think will get it, not who I hope gets it. Uh, Beeline would be my top choice. My second choice, maybe Keith Smart or Mike Woodson. I think they're under tremendous pressure to hire an Indiana guy, and I hope they do, because that would mean they wouldn't get John Beeline or 
I don't even know if Porter Mosier would succeed there. That's a way different world than Loyola Chicago. Way different world. So there we go. Okay, let's do the faith portion of the podcast. Um, I could apply much of what I said about E.J. Liddell and social media and our insatiable need for approval to this segment, but I'll touch on it and then um, morph into something else. The ultimate authority on who you are, of course, is not even those people who are invested in you and expect no return. The ultimate authority on who you are is God. God made you. God created you in his image. And you certainly cannot dispute the love God has for you because he sent his son to die on a cross so you could be redeemed by Christ's sacrifice and have uh, the opportunity to be forgiven of your sins and spend eternity with God. So that tells me that God values Bruce Hooley a lot, and God values you a lot. And the ultimate authority on who you are is the God of the universe who sent his son to die for you. So that is what I would say about your true self-identity. Now, as for the faith portion of the podcast today, I am challenged every day when I take the air at 5 o'clock at 989 The Answer because I'm trying to be useful with the platform God has given me. I'm trying to be enlightening viewing the world, news events, and our culture through a prism of a believer in Christ. And I'm trying to educate people so that they can push back against error in the world, not because I'm a conservative Republican and because democratic policies are some, you know, travesty of whatever, but because ultimately, this world is the realm of Satan. Satan is behind all of the rancor and uh, war and hatred in our world. As Andrew Clavin once said, Satan doesn't care who does the hating, he just wants the hating to get done. And so the challenge for me is, not to do the hating <laughs> in the name of, you know, what I think is right, what I know is right, what has been proven right. Because as Chris Spielman said of himself and is also very true of me, I am a right fighter. <laughs> That's a term I believe that came from Dr. Phil. I have, whenever I take one of those personality tests, the areas that I score off the chart on are responsibility and like whatever the word gets bastardized now so i hate to say it but it's justice like what's right fairness fairness yeah i, get, I score off the chart on that i'm married to that concept okay which is dumb because i don't get what i deserve in this world because only because of jesus um thank goodness the world is not fair in terms of my ultimate 
uh, reckoning. So these are my burdens in the afternoon. I want to be useful. I want to be uh, instructive. I want to be inspiring. I want to be enlightening. And I want to speak for truth. That's the number one thing. I want to speak for truth. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth. If you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth. If then. So if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People love to quote the back end of that verse, but not do what the first part of that verse says. And that's not just a verse that says it. That's Jesus Christ who said that. So I'm trying to arm myself with the words of Christ through the Gospels before I go into work every day to stay between those lines of speaking truth, enlightening people, equipping them for important conversations. I don't think it is. In fact, I think it is. I don't think it's wrong. In fact, I think it is a wasted opportunity not to engage people on matters of culture, which can build a bridge to the gospel and building uh, the kingdom of God and converting disciples to the gospel of Christ. If you engage, if I were to engage in a conversation with someone who believes in critical race theory and that all white people are racist, I would hope that I could bring that conversation to a point where I could say, well, how do you think we got here? Do you think that... um, God created some people to be inferior to others, enslaved by others. Do you feel like, um, you know, uh, God wants there to be disagreements on earth and rancor on earth and all that? And I would hope I could get to the point where I could have the person understand that Jesus in his ministry did not prioritize one race over another. If he did, the Jews would have conquered the Romans. And that's what the Jews wanted Jesus to do. And that's actually why they killed him, because he wouldn't do that. When he finally said what his kingdom was, my kingdom is not of this world, he told Pilate, the people were like, well, this dude's not who we thought he was. This dude's not our deliverer. Like, off with his head. Basically, that was their reaction. But Jesus was like, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom's of a different world. My kingdom is a kingdom where love and the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, understanding, self-control. That's my kingdom. And I'm coming to demonstrate that by dying on a cross so all the rest of you schlubs can be forgiven. <laughs> that made them mad. That's not what they wanted. And so now here we are in this era where we're like looking for deliverance from oppression and all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, the kingdom of God is inside you. The kingdom of God is inside you. And We're all made in the image of God, and we're supposed to see each other as God sees us, you know? So that's how I could hopefully bring that conversation about. So I don't think that I am wasting my time as a disciple of Christ in that platform. The challenge is Satan would like to get me in there and have me, like, be an idiot and scream and yell, and and I, I struggle with it not every day, every minute, every minute I struggle with it. So I was reading today in Matthew 10, where this is all in red in my Bible. So this is Jesus talking, and he's sending the disciples out to evangelize people, and he tells them, I'm sending you out um, to the lost sheep of Israel. He said, don't go to the Gentiles or any, any towns of the Samaritans. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. So he wanted them to talk to the Jews first. 
as you go preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Um, Don't take anything with you. And he says, you know, if you go somewhere and you give it your greeting, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. So God doesn't force us to stay someplace where we're not welcome, but he wants us to um, put it out there. I'm I'm putting it out there in the afternoon. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I believe he's the only uh, healing that is available to our country. And he says, you know, hey, look, I, I mean, people say to me, aren't you afraid what people will say to you? Aren't you afraid what people will do to you? Aren't you afraid people will try to cancel you? Aren't you afraid people will try to hurt you? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Some of that, yeah. Some of that, I could care less. Why do I care less? Because I know this truth right here. Matthew 10, 18. Jesus said, On my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what you say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And he says later, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. That, of course, is only God can do that. And then finally, Matthew 10, 32, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. I have been blessed in the last day or two to interact with a lady who has shown tremendous courage in sticking up for um, a curriculum at her daughter's school that is um, very awful, very immoral, very uh, it's mind poison. It really is. And I'm I'm fortified by the courage of other believers. She's a she's all in, man, and she's not afraid. And so I'm not afraid. I'd like to think I wasn't afraid before. I'd like to think I won't be afraid in the future. And I'd like to encourage you not to be afraid. Uh, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, um, if you want a preview of coming attractions, don't skip over the parts of the gospel where he says, you know, if you're all in for me, you're going to be persecuted. Be ready for it. Expect it. And don't worry about what you're going to say, because I'll I'll be there. I, I'm your wingman. I got you. Scary? Yeah, maybe. Cool? Encouraging? Yeah. I think so. Don't you? So that's where we are today. Uh, Friday, March the 26th. A reminder that uh, Hemisphere Coffee is the most longstanding sponsor of the podcast and one that I sure hope you will support by purchasing your coffee online at hemispherecoffeeroasters.com. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Um, you really do help me when you help our sponsors. So um, keep them in mind. And they're great people. Patronize them. I hope uh, your weekend is filled with encouragement. I hope you're um, committed to learning more about the greatest leader that ever lived. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Fully man, fully God. Savior of the universe. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How awesome is that? Have a great day. Talk to you soon.